just giving you a deadline. I have an hour. So I'm a very busy and important person. And I've given you an hour of my time. And my PA is sitting over there going... Hurry up, Maeve. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hello everyone, welcome to episode three of The In-Between. Today I have on my beautiful mother, Siobhan Carey. How are you? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We're laughing already. Yeah. Maeve's a bit nervous, I don't know why. I get nervous before I film these every single time, but it's fine. Also apologies about my voice, we're a bit congested, bit of a cold, but that's okay. We have the tissues handy. We do. So sorry if you have a few sniffles in between, but um... I thought it'd be fun to have mum on because, I don't know, I mean mum are oversharers and tell each other way too much and I think there's so many conversations that we've had that I've thought this would be so good on a podcast because we're very honest with each other and you give me very good straight to the point advice. Oh, I try. I feel like you do. I feel like you're like, Maeve, come on. (laughs) Yeah. At a lot of points in time. I suppose that's what mums are supposed to do, but <clears throat> it's not always what you want to hear at the time. I no. That. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like a couple of weeks ago when I got a bad grade, you messaged me and you were like, will this matter in a week, week Maeve, let alone a month? And at the time I did not want to hear that. I was like, shut up, mum. Like, I just got this bad grade. Let me Feels cry. Sorry for me. Feels yeah. sorry. Give me pity. But then I was like, that's so true. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No. Just, yeah. Yuck. Obviously, if you're upset though, like let it like. Let's you know, let it happen and get it out of you because then it doesn't come back later. But, you know. It's if, not the end of the world. Well, it wasn't in my oh, yeah. case at all. When you're older, you realise those things. I still passed. Like, it was they like it was right. a fine grade. I was mm, just being yeah, a bit dramatic. You but are a bit dramatic. As per usual. <laughs> anyway, you dropped out of law, so there we have it. <laughs> hey, not yet. We're still, <laughs> still in there. We haven't submitted yeah. the application yet. To be confirmed. <laughs> yeah. TBC. Anyways, well, let's start from the start. You grew up in a small town in Ireland mm. and went to an all-girls Catholic school. And you were the youngest child, like me, but you had a very large age gap between you and your next sibling. Mm. And my mom had me when she was 42, which was quite old for having kids in the 60s in Ireland because, you know, you were meant to have been done with your family by then. And Yeah. But, you know... Good old Ireland, no contraception, so... <laughs> you were a bit of a surprise! I was a menopause baby, apparently. My mother thought she was done, but no, one nope. more popped out, so she was the talk of the parish. <laughs> um, and there's actually a photograph of her talking across a hedge to my next-door neighbours, and she's, you know, got a big fat tummy, and it's really a cute photo. I, I would love to have that, actually. But, um... Yeah, people thought that it was a really big thing for her to have a baby at 42, which it is, even now. Yeah, even now, that's a big thing. Like, But yeah, big age gap between me and my next sibling, eight years, and then my brother. I'm 53 now, and my oldest brother recently turned 70, so that's huge. That's 17 years. Yeah, so they were like a family of four, and then there was me. <laughs> so they grew up together having all of these experiences, and like, you know, like um, you are, you're having now with your siblings. Imagine yeah. now, so all of a sudden... You had a baby sister. Yeah, it's a big age gap. And, like, I think sometimes even the age gap between me and Will seems really long. And that's only eight years. But you have a 17-year difference. Like, that is... Yeah, that's like me having a newborn sister right now. Yeah, exactly. So, um, they'd all left home. When I was a teenager, they were having... You know, they were married with kids. I would be their babysitter. And they had jobs, you know. 
it was like quite a difference and I guess I was lucky in that I got to spend a lot more time one-on-one with my parents, yeah. especially my mom. And so we became quite close. Whereas when she was parenting those four, she had a lot going on and she was trying to like juggle having four kids quite close together. Yeah, because they are all pretty close in age. Mm. Yeah. So she had a lot more time, I suppose, to spend with me and I was spoiled by my siblings. When I was little <laughs> they would buy me stuff like Muppet Show albums and, you know, sweets on the weekends when they got paid from their part-time jobs and stuff yeah and when my brother came home from the army um he was in the army the army. that was all i was told um oh. I, then i found out later that he was in the english army which was oh oh because oh, it wasn't the irish mm. interesting and um like when he would come home it was like he was a superstar yeah because he was a man in uniform and i was like oh my god who is this person but um yeah it was an interesting kind of um, dynamic living with my parents going on holidays with my parents when I was a teenager oh isn't that fun taking me to Wales where it always drizzled and always being in the back seat of the car feeling like Classic. I was throw up and I was never allowed to open a window because you can get a cold in your ear if you open a window be dreadful draft you're awful with car sickness and boat sickness too oh, you'd be I have to be in the front seat now of a car yeah and I can't even look at the phone when I'm on the bus because my I start mm. getting car sick. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Whoopsies. Oh, jeez. There goes the coaster. Oh. Not drinking alcohol, folks. <laughs> just water. <laughs> For a change. Oh, my God. I was looking through some photos of us the other day. Um, and in every photo we have together, we're holding a drink. <laughs> oh, like, in so many photos of us. That's not good. And I'm like, yeah, just why we're not alcoholics. Anyway. Oh, disclaimer. Oh, disclaimer. Um, anyways, being a teenager, female teenager in Ireland and all Catholic schools, surely a lot of things were taboo Mm. and you would have had to go through a lot of things thinking you were very alone in them because no one really talked about them, such as like periods. Or talk about them, they did it in such an awkward way. Yeah. Like they would say, okay, everybody, now I want all um, class 5A and class 5B in the library at lunchtime. And you'd be like, oh no, one of those awkward videos. And they would literally show us an awkward video about a girl who got pregnant at school and how she was just, you know, a disappointment to her whole family and how it ruined our life. Oh, my God. And, like, they would literally scare us, like, by saying, it's the end of your life if you get pregnant. But then there was no contraception, so you had no control over your body Abstinence. Anyway. <laughs> Abstinence. And you really were, you were told that you were only to have sex if you were married, and then mm. it was purely just to reproduce. So, no worries. No problem. Um, forget about the fact that when you're a teenager that your hormones are going wild and that's just the girls, like the boys are off dial. Yeah. Um, so it was so bad that we were actually left, uh, we finished school at 3.40 um, and the boys finished school at 3.50 because they didn't want the teenage boys. Mingling. Meeting, mingling with the girls after high school. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> surely the 10 minute difference wouldn't make that much of a change anyways and like things like condoms were always behind the counter so you actually had to go and ask and none of my friends would do that um they just literally wouldn't so they just have unprotected sex yeah gosh and then of course there was the whole abortion thing because Mm. it wasn't legal in ireland and actually one of my very good friends did get pregnant and went to london on the dreaded ferry gosh to get an abortion and she ended up marrying the guy years and years later, which is kind of sad. But like, yeah. So, if that paints a picture of you know a sort of a smothering 
Catholic kind of fog it was. It was really, really bad. And like people joke and laugh about it to me, but I hated growing up there as a teenager and I think it really did have an effect on you and yeah you felt that your body was something that you know you just hid you just hid behind chunky chunky yeah. clothes and you know because you were sexualized sweaty. as being a woman if you had you know a bit of leg out nobody dressed that way yeah you would literally be treated like a prostitute lucky it was cold weather <laughs> like i remember just we just didn't dress like that like you know yeah um it, you just covered yourself up it was the damn thing. Did you bring bring disrespect to your family or? Um, so yeah, I was very happy to move away from home first of all and get away from Cork because yeah. everyone knew your business, mm. and go to Dublin and, and and study and be in a share house and actually have some fun. But yeah. I was really I was pretty traumatized by the whole kind of Catholic upbringing, um, and even my first relationship, serious relationship at uni when I was dating this guy for about four years which was a long time you know when you're, when you're 20 as you know <laughs> like if you were having a four-year relationship with someone now it'd be wow. it'd be pretty serious yeah like yeah you, at 20 that's a long time for yeah, a first relationship you, you miss out on a lot because you don't go to parties like your single girlfriends or you miss out on all of the uni kind of druggy kind of hookup culture it was like we were a married couple but we were at uni so we just didn't get invited to oh, stuff I remember? think yeah you know I was very conscientious at uni I wasn't a partier or a drug taker or a, you know someone who sleeps around um, a wild girl no and actually none of my friends were Fiona was quite laid back and yeah we we just drank a lot of tea and worked really hard to get through the the course and of course we had like bills to pay so we had yeah. to have a part-time job um and our parents didn't have a lot of money so um you know, we just kind of had to live on baked beans, literally. And when I made tuna pasta once, I thought it was like, oh my God. Gourmet. Gourmet. Tuna pasta. She she ate it for four years straight. Ugh. Um, so yeah, we had a very simple time, but we had fun. And yeah, you know, it, was, it wasn't great. So I was very happy to move to Australia. When I finished my course at uni, my sister said, why don't you come to Australia for like a year and, you know... It's your one chance to come out here because you can get this under 26's visa. And I was 25 at the time, mm. maybe 24, about to turn 25. And I was like, oh, Australia, Australia's a bit weird. Like, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. It always seemed a bit daggy. Really? A bit kind of old-fashioned. And... Australia? Yeah, bit bogan. a bit bogan. Bit well, it is a bit. redneck. I think it depends on the places you go, well, but I think it does have that reputation, yeah. Yeah, so she said, oh, come on, you know, you can go to America anytime. My best friends were going there, and I was like, oh, okay. And you've been to America already, and you spent the summer in Loved New York. It. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought, okay, I'll give Australia a go. So came out here in um, December 93. And you're still here, oh. 20, what, eight years later? Yeah, 28 years later. Yeah, so I'm here now more than half my life. You've been in here mm. longer than you've been in Ireland. Yeah. There you go. It's almost like it, I suppose. And you're not leaving anytime soon unless I'm leaving. Sorry, you're stuck with me. Well, you've told me that I can't go anywhere. So, no, you, you can't know. go anywhere. You have to be around when I have children, so you're stuck. Yeah, so just make sure I've got enough up and go in me for that. Up and go. <laughs> I miss up and goes. Do you remember them? Yeah, I saw them on Splash the other night. They remind me of year 12 days. When you were like too busy to eat breakfast. <laughs> Mom, I've got an exam. <laughs> I wasn't too busy, I was just lazy. I wanted to sleep in as much as I could. Anyways, so um, yeah, came out to Australia, 
And that's where it Boy starts. girl. Girl has two babies. So what was it like raising two daughters? Or how did, I guess, the way you were brought up, how did you want to change how you brought us up? If you know what oh, I mean. Oh, so like, much. Yeah, I definitely was very conscious of that because my relationship with my parents was quite a loving one, I guess, but also quite a, oh, no, we don't talk about that. Yeah. There are so many subjects that you just brush under the carpet and you know I remember my mother said to me one day um your dad is taking you for a walk today oh gosh 15 or something and I looked at her and I said what do you mean and she said oh he's got to talk to you about something and your stomach drops (laughs) literally and I was traumatized because I knew I was going to get the birds and the bees chat from your dad not from your mom she couldn't tell me why I don't know she was absolutely mortified we never had a birds and the bees chat because we I just talked. You, books. you bought us books, which yeah. were funny, but I feel like we just talked about it anyways, and I felt comfortable and I coming to you with questions anyways. Oh, I knew we'd be covered at school because I'd seen oh, the yeah, curriculum. Yeah, I guess a and... bit so, awkwardly, but somewhat. Mm. I feel like you can just Google things these days as well, which kind of helps. Yeah, so I wasn't, you know, my poor dad. He started like fumbling his way into the conversation. And I said, "Dad, it's fine. I know everything." Which I didn't, but I just didn't want You didn't want to have the conversation. And we're taught all that. And he goes, you're taught all that by the nuns. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Just smile and nodding. Smile and wave. But yeah, I thought I'd spare him the embarrassment. But um, yeah, so like I did, I did really sit down and think, how am I going to parent? Like, what am I going to be? Mm. I really want to be close to my kids and I want them to feel that they can tell me anything. That was the... That was the number one. Marshall's operandi that I set out to kind of achieve from... I didn't even talk to anyone about it. But that was what I wanted to achieve. Because I remember one of your dad's best friends said to me one day, he had two daughters and they were in their late teens. And he was very, very worried about how his relationship with them was. He didn't feel close to them. Connected to them. No. Yeah. And he said to me one day, you can never be their friend, you know, Siobhan. You can be their parent, but you can never be their friend as well. And I said, no, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. You're like my best friend. Like... I don't want to be a parent that's constantly going, you are not allowed to do this yeah. and you have to tell me every minute of every day where you are. Yeah. I much prefer to be a parent that's like, hey, you know, I need to tell you these things for your own safety. I really want you to listen to this, but... You're going to make your own decision at the end of make, the day. Yeah, and I trust you to kind of tell me if anything goes wrong and I trust you to kind of do the right thing. Yeah, I think that's a good way you raised us. And I think you did raise us that way, especially when I was in year 12 and year 11, when I got my license and we got a bit more freedom and stuff. You weren't like, oh, Maeve, like, tell you, tell me where you are 24 seven. But like, because I wanted to tell you where I was and we had a good relationship. When I left the house, I'd just be like, oh, mom, I'm going to so-and-so's or I'm going to this yeah, party. Yeah, like there was parties that you would have gone to and you would have said, oh, mom, it's going to be great. We're sleeping over and we're in tents and it's going to be cool. And then you ring me at 11.40, <laughs> like PM. Come pick me up. It's raining. Mom, this is a disaster. The tents are smelly. The boys are awful. I don't think I And there's people that. vomiting on the grass. Yeah, <laughs> and I think having a relationship are where you, you feel comfortable ringing your mum when bad yeah. stuff happens like that. Yeah, if you don't want to be there um rather than being like oh god i could not tell my mom about this she'd rip my head off do you know what i mean where you would get a bit angry about a couple of things but your priority was making sure that we were just okay yeah because my mother would literally wake wait up for me like she would literally wait up for me when i was 19 you'd wait wait up for me sometimes 20 and go is that you siobhan there was no one else in the house is that you siobhan well who do you think it is (laughs) I don't know, you might have bought someone home, mum. <laughs> and then she'd say the next morning to me, I heard you coming in last night, was it three o'clock? 
How you would say stuff like that to me, though. And I'd say, yeah, it was, Mom, I'm grand, I'm fine. Well, at least I knew you were alive. I heard you coming up the stairs. <laughs> but yeah, like, I wouldn't always wait up for you, though. I'd be no, conked you'd out. probably just wake up at the sound of me coming in from sooty barking or the True. door opening. Or, yeah. yeah. But, it was but I feel like I slept over anyways at parties to make it easy. The Sunshine easier. Coast was pretty. Pretty cash. Pretty, cash. pretty sheltered. There's not, Very. it wasn't, especially when we lived on Noosa North Shore, there wasn't much I could do. That you wouldn't know about. Also, I feel like there's nothing you don't find out about because we, if you tell one sibling, they'll tell another sibling and then one sibling will tell the parents. Like, you can't get away with anything in this family. Like, no. secrets don't exist. Not so you even, may as well Not even just... Secret Santa. We all know who's <laughs> I, buying for I, Secret Santa was organised, what, a week ago and I already could tell you who everyone's buying for. Yeah. Hopeless. Yeah. Hopeless. But, I mean, I think that's a good thing. It is a good thing. We do share. I, I think, though... We're oversharers to some Can I just say to the audience listening right now <laughs> that um, this is not maybe a recommended relationship to have with your youngest, that you share your dating stories and your complete Mom lowest of the low all moments. the details of my life. I don't and, think there's anything you don't know about me. Well, yeah, there's a lot that we probably do overshare, but... Um, I like oversharing with you, though. Yeah, I think, you know, we have an honest relationship and we kind of, um, like, I think you do sometimes ask me for advice and mm. I, a lot of the time I don't even pretend to know the answer, but, like, it's good. It's good to have an open um, channel of communication. Yeah, it's just nice coming to you knowing I'm not going to, well, I might be judged gonna, a little oh, bit, yeah. but, like... <laughs> I'll be like, okay, You'd another, be like, All right, another I... white linen pair of pants. <laughs> Great. Um, do they come in black? Oh, you've got the black ones too. <laughs> I was literally saying to Tay the other day how I want a new pair of linen pants, so I don't need them. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, I feel lucky in the way we have a good relationship. You know, not everyone has this. And Yeah. So yeah, like I found myself... Um... Well, then you became a mother of six, three teenage boys, three teenage girls. Yeah, so I kind of look at my life as like two... I'm, I'm like I'm in my third chapter at the moment. I, I, this is really a is recurring. your life in thirds? It is think? actually. So you're in your third third. Mm, I am. Um, so yeah, obviously the first bit is you know being a young adult and then you know moving to Australia and then having young babies, and then the second chapter is um, you know suddenly being a stepmom and and as you said just being a parent of four extra kids. Yeah. Which was a lot to take on. I actually remember the first morning, and William was there. Um, where I had uh, six lunchboxes in front of me in the kitchen and I was like, Shit. I took a photograph <laughs> of the f- six lunchboxes and I thought, oh my God, I, that's a lot of food, number one. And number two, there's a lot more days of this to come. There's, there was a lot more. And the meals and the potatoes The six and the milk. school shoes lined up for the front door. I remember you taking a photo of that. Yeah, seeing the five pairs of black shoes, like one... At one point, one of you was in every grade. Yeah, in high eight school. to twelve. We yeah. had one in each grade. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. And you know that was insane. Mm. How did we go to school? Do we still have the eight seater then? Oh no, Alex. yeah, we had the carnival. Oh, okay. And then um, I think we always had another second car, but and then the the family would have to be broken into um into two halves some days because someone would have to be at school by seven a.m. Yeah, to do some sport band or sport or yeah. And then would be, oh, Martin would, you know, take the early group. Yeah, and then and you'd then take I'd, the later group. Yeah, oh my God. Take the morning shift. It was full on. It was a very busy time, but it was good. Um, but yeah, like suddenly being a stepmom, uh, I, I also had to sit down and work out in my mind without even talking about it to anyone else how I would be. Like, yeah. what would I want a stepmom to be? 
mm. um, from the point of view of, say, Olivia or, or Alex or Owen or William. What would I want my stepmom to be? I think I would want my stepmom to be a friend and someone I can talk to about anything. And someone who's not really going to be a mother substitute, obviously. That was yeah. number one. That I would never be a substitute mother for them. But that I would be someone who Another female takes figure. just as much yeah. care of them as yeah. their mother would. And hopefully, you know, teach them stuff. Be a friend. Yeah, and be a friend. So I think I, think I kind of achieved that. I think you did. I think the boys were a little bit sceptical at the beginning. And obviously, when a blended family comes together... There, there will always be the kids that miss their parents not being together anymore. And I think yeah, that's hard at the start. a sense of grief that you have to work through and you have to you know, take your time. You can't just kind of rush in and go, I'm your stepmother, Siobhan, and from this day onwards, you will <laughs> always pair your socks on a Sunday night. Yeah. And, you know, like... You weren't, you're not that kind of person anyways, though. You, you aren't a strict no, parent. Yeah. No, I try to kind of teach through other means yeah. instead of being a, a tyrannical kind of... Yeller, mm. but um, no, it was a very busy time. But I think you guys gelled so well, and we got blended along. very easily. Yeah, and you were excited to be together. There was a great yeah. energy around you all when you were together. So loud. So loud. You talked over each other. <laughs> we still do. You still really do. <laughs> yeah. Like someone asked me the other night, um, how was family dinner, and I went, oh, so loud, but so good. And I thought that there would be leftovers, but there was nothing. Oh no, it's never left us. Fourteen kilos of garlic bread, and you know, um, and and you leave, and then the place is so quiet when you guys go, mm. and the, there's there's so much discussed, but then there's nothing discussed in detail. It's just all like <laughs> la, 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 la. we move on to the next topic very quickly, very quickly. and we just but we just butt into each other all the time. Mm. I remember when we would have dinners at the big table, and we'd be like, let them finish talking, whoever was talking, because someone would just butt in or. Yeah. Yeah. Meal times were very busy and very loud and I loved our meal times. I loved when I would have friends over and they would love that we all had dinners together and we all had breakfasts together and like dinner was a big social like catch up of each other's days and like Yeah, like it's it was really good quality time. Especially as the boys got older and they were in um involved with athletics. They yeah. like a typical thing that would happen would be Owen would say, Hey Chef Wednesday afternoon. Would <laughs> how how would it be if I had like a a few mates around on Friday and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Cause usually it would just disappear and nothing would come of it. Mm. But then on Friday morning, um, I might get a text from Owen going, yeah, sure. Was it still okay if six or seven people come? And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. But then the reality was there would be 15 and we would <laughs> remember, we would have to add on tables onto the table and then add on another yeah. table. And I and think there's a chairs. few, there's a few aerial photographs looking down on that table full of people on a Friday night and it was great and it was always a loaves and a fishes kind of you know thing where I would have to just bulk it all up with pasta or pizza or yeah um you know put a lot of bread on the table they were always fun though they were very fun and very loud and the people that were visiting like the guests that were at the table were just observing because they couldn't get a word in because we can't get a word (laughs) and the fact that you guys would rib each other as well about all sorts and all the embarrassing stories would come up when we'd have guests over and everyone would talk about them. Sorry, but that's where the oversharing started. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's the root of the oversharing. Because <laughs> they would be mortified that, you know, like Alex would say something like, oh, have you got your period today or something, Maeve? And, and then I'd be like, <laughs> And these teenage boys that would just be so mortified. Mm. 
But yeah, they were fun meals. Yeah, and I think it was nice. We were all kind of the same age, mm. like very similar ages at least. And then the school formals, you know, they were always exciting, getting ready to go to the formals. And, you know, um, there were so many formals because there were so many of you. And the awards nights. And every year for five years, one of you graduated. So there was yeah. a lot going on. Yeah, you had a graduation the outfits and the, year, what don't we know, when we're going to get my hair done and, you know, Martin mm. organizing suits for the boys and shoes and what girl am I going to bring and <laughs> what kind of a car are we going to get? I'm like, you know, we do that yeah. five times over, six times over. Wow. I was busy. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> You're not done yet. Well, you are. I guess we're all graduated, but breath, now guess. we're just in uni. and a lot of breath, I guess. I feel like we're still relying on you just as much. Yeah, but I think you guys are pretty much... You've still got your training wheels on a little bit, but you're pretty good. Yeah, that's Pretty good true. to go. We are good to go. So you've had a interesting, for lack of a better term, uh, couple of years since 2020 or 2019 when I graduated. Yeah, so when you graduated, that was um, November 2019. Yeah, two years ago. And that ago. was a big week for us, wasn't it? Because not only did you graduate, but then you were going, like, to, schoolies. going to schoolies. Yeah. And, and, um, you have all the events like valedictory. And we had a really big week. We did. It all kind of came together. I think we had guests from Canberra come and stay. And remember Margaret and Lorraine came. And yeah. Everyone was there for my graduation, which was yeah. really good. Which yeah. Was cute. That's right. Because I was the last one. Big event. It was big. And um, uh, the plan being that, you know, Martin and I were going off to Samoa and we were selling everything and moving out of the house in Parisian was big. Yeah. And gee, wow, we even, you know, gave Sooty the dog away. So this was quite a big change, but like quite a, a kind of an adventurous, kind of exciting time. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, when things turned into you know, what was totally unexpected in, in March of 2020, coming back to Australia, COVID now, hitting. And now you're back in Brisbane. And being suddenly back in Brisbane in March 2020, thinking, wow, that was a bit of a whirlwind. But like, I immediately thought, oh no, I'll just go back to Brisbane and I'll just go back to West End, which is exactly what I've done. So, yeah, it, you know, chapter three, chapter turn three. the page, there we are. Turn the page. Turn the page, chapter three, back in West back End, where I the... actually started back in yeah, 1993. Yeah, that's true. You've done a 360. Um, so I'm now living in, a, in an apartment basically about one kilometre away from where I lived with my sister back in 1993. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, a, I won't say it's a complete circle, because it's not, because I've done so much, but... Two marriages down. Um, <laughs> and now you're doing the, uh, you're in the dating world, which you haven't been in 25 plus years. Oh my God. And yeah. dating isn't like what it was in the, the 80s. You've got the apps now. You've got all the online. So first marriage was quite long, 15 years. And second marriage, almost 10 years. Almost so 10. imagine 25 dating plus after coming years. out of, you know, two marriages. It's very tricky to adjust. Um, yeah. Even being alone, actually. Like, That's um, true. I think Olivia was talking about eating alone and you know hating that yeah I totally understand like because we grew up with so many people around and such a loud household and it's such a difference like just cooking for me is so odd to what I used to cook for seven yeah um I, I was over catering for the first year I was you know finding that I was cooking for five instead of cooking for just me so <laughs> there was a lot of leftovers in 2020 um <laughs> but you know we pushed through um <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so dating in your 50s, I'm actually thinking this could be a book. It probably is already, but... um. I think you've got a good idea going there, though, for yeah. the book. Mum's got some good tips, tr- tricks and stories that you could throw in, yeah. especially during COVID, dating in COVID. And... Look, it didn't happen much in 2020, mm. but like... Because we were in, a, we had a few lockdowns, and and obviously you know you couldn't go to venues and you couldn't really see people. But you you know I did chat to people, and the great thing about dating in your fifties is even if it doesn't work out, you kind of have the maturity to stay friends with people and kind of go, hey, that was actually still a positive experience, even though maybe one of you wasn't feeling it at the time. Yeah, you've got a really good friend. From yeah, a date. So I've actually got a really um, good friend who um, lives in Canada, who we met and dated for a while, but he decided... Got friend-zoned. Yeah, he friend-zoned me beautifully, though. Good old Celine. Um, and now we're friends, because he's moved to Canada, and he decided anyway that I had enough, you know, to deal with, and he was always going to be going back to Canada to look after his parents. But like, you still talk a lot. We still, still good chat friends. And, yeah. Um, he's got a girlfriend over there now and he asks me advice like from a girl's perspective. And I ask him advice from a boy's perspective or a man's perspective. He's yeah. nearly 50. A boy. It's <laughs> not really a boy. Um, so yeah, it's really, really useful. And like, even if you meet someone and they're into the same music, it's great to have that shared interest or they introduce you to something new. It's like, oh. Yeah. It's like, even if you go on dates and they don't work out or they don't necessarily turn into a relationship, you've got a funny story or you've got a song or you've got a book or a movie or just an experience that was like funny to look back on. So even if it was gosh. an awful date. You know, it's yeah. such good stories. I've had some shockers. Like, <laughs> I won't, as I say, overshare too much because, you know. This is going on the line, as you would say. This is going on the line. <laughs> and I don't want to shock your friends too much, mate. Um, but, like, I've had some absolute beauties. Like, I've had this guy who was really, really articulate and, you know, together in his texts, you know, you do this texting backwards and forwards and, and usually I get very bored with that and I say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm a bit over this, you know, I stare at a computer all day, so I would much prefer to, you know um, such a huge thing to say. Staring I, at a computer all day, mate. I do want to be staring at a screen. Um, and you're not the quickest more. texter. You're a bit oh, slow. Oh, you're a bit slow on the text. I should just say that I do not use my two hands to text. No, she uses her pointer finger. I'm sorry. <laughs> and squints. I'm sorry, I'm old. That's okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, like, if I get a good feeling about someone, I will just say, look, let's just have a chat on the phone. And, and, and they're usually fine with that. You Which know? is very interesting because I was talking to my friends mm. about this. You would not call someone, like, mm. my age, people my age on dating apps. Mm. Number one, they're not even like looking for dates. They're looking for, you know, hookups, hookups. But no way would you be like, oh my God, let's ring before you go on a date. Why? I don't know. Ringing is something you do when you're like in a relationship. I don't know why. But it makes a lot of sense to ring someone before you meet them. Like it makes a lot of sense, but it's just not a thing. It's a time saving thing. For Gen Zs. (laughs) Red flags pop up, okay? Yeah. So you could be chatting away to someone and yeah, how, how old are your kids? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? All these usual things. And then they will say something like, oh, you know, Anti-vax. I was watching the news the other day that Jackie Lammy, you know, and she's talking about, oh, you know, you should just get vaxxed because, you know, we have seatbelts to protect people. We have mm. blue cards to protect people. And, and you suddenly realize, oh, my God, this guy is an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And then you've got the red flag out the way and you don't have to go on the first date with them. And you go, obviously, it's awkward at the end of the chat. Um, I've had people say to me. Oh, I thought that went really well. Would you like to meet? And I'll go... You've been blocked. Um, well, no, I'm not that harsh. No, you're kind. You'd I, explain why. I'd say, look, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not... And I've had blogs say this to me. I'm not really feeling a spark after having a, 
Oh, sometimes there's even been FaceTimes awkward. FaceTimes? Mm. Oh, I couldn't do a FaceTime. I've had a guy who was very keen on me and then did a FaceTime with me and then decided that there was no spark. But you have to have a bit of a, you have to have a thick skin. You do, especially in the dating, because people can just let you down and being stood up. You've had shitty experiences where people have stood you up. Oh my God. I've had a guy message me solidly for a week. He even told me what he was going to be wearing um, when he would meet me for lunch because I said, how will I know you? And he said, yeah. okay, I'll be wearing like a fedora hat. <laughs> First red flag, wearing a fedora. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a bit trendy. And he was a lawyer. He was, he had his crap together and he seemed fine. Lawyer's and, a red flag, surely. sat in there and I thought, well, stuff this. I'm ordering lunch. And I just ordered lunch. How long had it been? And do you know what I did? I what? went and bought shoes afterwards. Wait, what do you mean? I so you, he, you were sitting in the restaurant. He didn't show up. You're like, screw it. I'm just going to order food. I messaged him. I'm here. I'm, I'm sitting on the right-hand table as you walk in. Uh-huh. Didn't show. No response. I hope you're okay, I sent. Because, you know, jeez, you could have been hit by a bus. Like, Mom. <laughs> I thought I'd better check. And text message did not go through. Oh, my God, he's been hit by a bus. Then I went into Tinder. Unmatched. <laughs> Obliterated, <laughs> deleted, ghosted. Off the face of the earth. Off the face of the earth. Never got to see him again. Like, so I wonder what happens between like, oh my God, yes, yeah, see you today. Can't wait. Whatever. I'm wearing this. So excited. You get there and then you realize he's unmatched. Like what? Yeah. What have you done? Like, So I talked to Celine, my very good friend about this. Mm. And he said a lot of men totally freeze because if it's in real life, then they just, they just haven't got the confidence to pull it through. They That's think, me. I just can't go on first dates, mum. They make me so nervous. I need to get your attitude of it'll just be a funny story. What you do is you choose a restaurant that you really like, usually mm. on your own home turf. Like, for me, it's always around here. Yeah. First date, definitely. Somewhere you're comfortable. Yeah, you're comfortable. So they don't turn up. You're like, hey, I'm in my stand. I'm out of just going, you know. Buy a pair of shoes. Buy a pair of shoes. Or, and you love shoe shopping. Yeah, hey, okay, I'll just go to the bookshop and, you know, it's not a big deal. Or I'll ring Maeve and we'll go out and have cocktails at so the boundary. I always have a plan B. I always have a plan B, like... Yeah, I, I haven't been stood up that much. No, no, Probably you haven't. Just that one yeah. time, actually. I've had people cancel on me. Um, but it's always... always been, it sucks when you get stood up because mm. it's got nothing to do with you. It's all a part of their insecurities mm. or their lacking confidence. Or they might have had a better offer. But it makes you feel like crap. Mm, it does. And it's like got nothing to do with you. Mm. And I think that's what I'm also kind of a bit afraid of. But you just can't base your value and happiness on someone turning up to a date. You've got to be able to just be with yourself and be like, that yeah. was all them, that wasn't me. And I'm going to go yeah. buy a pair of shoes. Yeah, so classic, this one. Um, had three dates with this guy, and um, we're, we have a date organized for the next day. And um, I'm like, great, can't wait. You know, we're going out to see some live music. And this guy's really nice. And he's cooked me dinner, you know. We've had the... I've checked him out. I know where he lives. I remember this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> so he's meant to pick me up at like... 5.45 or five, yeah, it's like five, on the dot. <laughs> he's like, when, when will he be available tonight? And I said, oh, I'm free um, at, from 5.30. I'm because you might remember you and I went for like your bloody 7K walk. <laughs> Sweating like a pig. <laughs> so I had to give myself an hour to get ready and cool down from the walk. So I said 5.30 and, and he responded, oh, okay, well, I'll be there at 5.40 then. And I thought, that's weird. Okay. See you at 5.40. Didn't think any more of it. Mm. Right? So... It gets to 5.15, I'm in full makeup, I'm ready to go, we're going out, like it's, you know, first nighttime date with him. 
And you have to put a bit of effort in when you're going out at night. I feel more than a brunch thing. So yeah, night time makeup yeah. is on. <laughs> full um, glam. Full glam. <laughs> and I see his name pop up, and I go, "Here we go." And it's a text from him saying, "I'm not feeling well. I won't be able to make it tonight." And it's very short and it's very curt. And I go, oh, "Okay, Siobhan, keep, keep it together. together. He might be genuinely sick." So I say, "Oh, that's no good. Um, what's wrong?" And can I bring you anything? And he goes, oh, I'm not feeling great. And I just say, oh, He said okay. he was dizzy. What did he mean? He said, I'm dizzy and I, I don't feel like driving. And I thought, dizzy? Okay. Bit weird. And I said, I hope you feel better. And he said, I will. I just, I'll, um, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I thought, okay, that's positive. And you might remember I asked you to come around. No, then and... I, yeah, I said to you, right, let's go out then, mum. Yeah, so we went out and, and we had our schnitty. We had a great night. Went to the boundary. We had a great night. And... That was fine. And even that night I sent him a message saying, I hope you're feeling better. Didn't get anything back. Oh my God. So I go to bed. Probably in bed by nine. Let's face it. Nine oh one. I think we um, were. And um, the next morning I just get up, you know, to do something at 5am as you do. And I just quickly look at my uh, my mobile and there's a phone mess- text message from him. 5.07am. And it's long. Like I don't It's a paragraph. <laughs> like holy shit need my glasses for this one and i'm like holy crap you know he's got a lot to say for 5 a.m he's got an essay at 5 a.m he's drafted so basically what had happened was um both of us we had matched on uh an app oh yeah i can't even remember which one it was um it's irrelevant but, um, anyways. it's irrelevant but you know we both had more than one dating app on our phone you were both right? out on the scene looking for people we'd had three dates let me remind you um but he had been at work on that Saturday and had seen that I was on a, da- a dating app. Like I was But active. you're still on the same one that you met him on, right? Yeah, yeah. That I was active. Anyway, he sends me a text message going, oh, I've got a Plenty of Fish um, account that I've closed, but management keeps sending me emails. So I went in there today to like reset my settings and uh, I, saw your face. I bumped into you and I couldn't bear seeing your face in there. I was like, and I hope nobody treats you like this. Yeah, it's just, re- oh my God, when you sent me the screenshot of the text message he sent you, I was like, you have got to be joking. You've only been on three yeah. dates. He expects three. you to have been completely exclusive, mm. to have deleted all your apps yeah. and just focus on him. Yeah. I think, no, you'd only been on two dates, remember? This would have been the third, sorry. So yeah, yeah. you'd only been on two. You'd yeah. only met twice in your life. Yes. And he expects you to be like, off the dating apps, thanks Siobhan, uh, delete everything, you're now mine. Plus, he was in Plenty of Fish, and we all know. Is that now? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never heard of it. And it shows you. Like, when there'll you're be active. a green light when you're active. It says active now. So he obviously, it popped up. Which meant that he was surfing through profiles of people. He would have been out to look for you then on the profile. It's dodgy. He's dodgy. That is the so biggest major red, flag. red flag. You don't owe him anything. You've been on two dates with him. So he did me a favour. He did you a favour. He showed and his true colours. I responded really. by saying, jealousy is never a nice characteristic to have. Yeah. I never set out to hurt anyone here. Um, You're you both know. just on the apps. It's not like a... Yeah. Yeah. All the best. All the best with your search. <laughs> Cheers. Siobhan. I think that's crazy. Yeah, that was insane. Um, I've had guys turn up absolutely off their heads high as a kite to date i've had that one guy that was a teacher who arrived yep, high. a school That's teacher um, here in brisbane uh, at a primary school turned up to and a day we know we park. all know that primary school pretty well i thought i was being safe you know meeting someone in the local park for a saturday afternoon brunch thing but luckily i didn't afternoon mean. brunch mm. as you do mum. could barely walk straight this guy well like oh on drugs God. or yeah, drunk weed. just weed oh great 
Couldn't believe it. He would have stank of weed. I was like, look, mate, it's, this has been a lovely 20 minutes. Um, Did you leave after 20 minutes? I realised that um, I've actually got to go. And <laughs> My daughter's like, ringing me. I've got to go. He was like, you seem a lovely person. He was so out of it that he didn't even notice that it had only been 20 minutes. He probably thought we'd been there for hours. And the funny thing is, is we were all at dinner one night and he was, he was there. there and mum was like, that's the guy. And he was so loud and drunk at the restaurant. It was You're so weird. Mass to be a school teacher. Mm. Anyway, there's been, some, there's been some dodgy ones, but then there's also been some really nice people that I've met. And you yeah, know, mm. you do need a lot of courage and you do need a lot of, um, you get, you have to talk yourself up. You have to build yeah, thick skin. You have to imagine the worst that can happen is they will stand me up and so what? I'll be sitting in a nice bar and if they're late, I, I'll have already ordered, my, ordered myself a nice drink. And yeah. Hey, who cares? Like, it still feels a bit shitty though when you really like does. someone and they turn you down and they stop talking to but you. But that's why it's good to talk to someone on the phone because then you've, that's you've worked out, what do I really like them? Yeah, I feel like you get more personality you over the phone. Because a lot of people are a mo- lot more confident over text in the way that they talk and then you meet them in person, they might be a bit shy. So I guess calling them on the phone kind of... I had a guy last week. This is a classic. <laughs> he rings me from Coles. First, oh, here we go. first phone call. Hear all the beeping in the background. I'm like, you know, this texting thing, I'm over it. Here's my phone number. Let, let's chat sometime. He rings me from Coles, literally, while he's zapping his groceries. Then he he's still chatting to me as he walks to his car. Oh, we might cut out now here because I'm in the car park. I'm like... <laughs> Um, no worries, mate. We get cut off. Then he's in his apartment and he's putting away his groceries and he's talking to me. And, um, he's just like, he's doing me a favour. He's multitasking, mum. He's on the phone having a date, getting his groceries done, putting them away. Yeah. He says to me, I feel the more texts that I have with someone, the less chance I have of meeting them. Interesting. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah. So this is a great story from his point of view, a man's point of view. So he went out on a date with a chick that he matched with on Tinder. He says she was a lot younger than him. Right. Stunning looking, his words. I'm like, mm, creepy. <laughs> Anyhow. Anyhow. They go on this date. He goes, oh, within five minutes, I know. So within five minutes, he had decided that there was no spark. But he had a drink with her. Anyway, it gets to the end of the day. They've had a drink, but they both decided that they're just going to, you know, go their separate ways. Right. And he feels somewhat like, like you should ask her, do you need a ride home or how are you getting home? And she goes, oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to get a Tinder home. And he goes, do you mean a Tinder or an Uber? And she goes, no, no, no. Watch this. Pulls out of her mobile phone, pulls up Tinder, reduces her um, distance way down to like one kilometer. Matches with a guy literally in the next bar. Chats to him. Hi, how you going? Look, I've just had like a window of an hour open. I could meet you now. This guy literally comes to where she's sitting with, you know, deadbeat cold guy. Deadbeat cold guy. <laughs> and yeah, off That's they crazy. go. She has a drink with him. And then she does that. Oh, I live in Logan. Oh, so she wants a free ride home. He drives her home. Well, look, she's profiting off the patriarchy, isn't she? She's killing it. She's girl. That's a girl boss move right there. But that's... But the fact that she did that while she was on a date with the deadbeat Coles guy, I would have waited for deadbeat Coles guy to leave and then go. But, I mean, whatever. She's killing it. She's, God, Mr. Man who hated that you were on the app. Deadbeat Coles guy was very impressed. Interesting. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of men would hate that. Just like that guy that told you he didn't like that you were on the apps while you were on Mm. a second date. I think a lot of guys. It's dismissive. It's very dismissive and disrespectful. Oh, 
I think it's some people could see it like that, but then at the same time, you're both just on dates trying to find people. So yeah, so it is a bit of a jungle out there. Um, my friend Stacy, she often says, "Oh, I don't know if you want to hear you talk about these stories," and I'm just not ready for that. I just cannot deal with that at the moment, you know. And it it does um, like a lot of the time, I do have to take a deep breath and go, okay. Yeah, because I feel like it can lift you up and then pull you back down and. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast of a lady similar to your age that's in the online dating world, and she was like, it's a full-time job. Like, you have to be calling, you have to be messaging, you have to be going on these dates. And, you know, it takes a lot of work. You've got to look good. You've got Exactly. To, that's why it's ha- a full-time you've job. You've got to look put together. Um, you have to show enthusiasm. You have to be a good listener. You have to have the right profile. Yeah, yeah, but you have to listen to them. You have to listen to them, and they have to listen to you. And, and talking's exhausting. Like I feel like it would give you good social skills, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you still get nervous to go on first dates now, or not really? Because um, I feel like you've got the experience. No, you know? I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, you, I do like to talk to people in real time, though, like on the phone or... Um, Does that make you feel less nervous after you've talked yeah, to them on the phone? Yeah. I think you, you do need to have stuff to talk about. I think you need to have some stuff in common, just base level, so you can have some yeah. conversation. And I had a guy the other day say, um, all your photos on your on your profile are very different, Siobhan. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're all of me. And he goes, have they been taken over a long period of time? And I'm like, no. Look. So this morning I just sent him a selfie of me right now. This a is selfie. Me. This is me right now. And he goes, okay. This is me. About to get the to... bus into town. He, need... <laughs> he needed to see. Like, he needed to... And look... This, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but a lot of men have said to me, what's a good looking woman like you doing single on here? They think I'm catfishing. For perspective, I've seen your profile and your your pictures, you you just look like you, not to say you don't look pretty, but I mean like when that guy was saying that, you know, they look like they've been taken They're over. They're suspicious though. They're suspicious. Why? Men have one selfie of them with a fish and they don't care. And they have like a They're awful like, why bio. They're like, on here? You're, you're very attractive. Oh, do they think you've got a husband and, and like, you want like a bit of a fling or something? I think maybe because my, yeah. I, Just I, because you dress well and have nice photos doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have some weird ulterior motive or anything. Though. Yeah. And I have had people say to me, did you change the spelling of your name? Like, because the only Siobhan that I know is, you know, got an I-O-B-H Oh, it's spelled the Irish way. Yeah, right? and like, did you change your name so that... Or why do you just have SC as your as your name on, on the app? And I'll go, uh, it's not because like I'm doing the dirty behind my husband's back or anything. They do. They're very wary. Of... The context, mom does not have a husband, by the way. <laughs> just yeah, that. look, I'm single. <laughs> single, ready to mingle. I'm a single Pringle. Um, Any bachelors listening? I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, bachelor. Bachelors. Yeah, so any of you out there listening? Oh. Um, oh. Um, Maybe you should go on the bachelor now. Oh, you know what they they should have a middle-aged bachelorette or bachelor mm. because the bachelor are always like mid-20s people i think it would be interesting to have someone who's older and with kids i think that, i would watch that i, I would, would tune that. i would tune into that there you go folks there you go someone yeah. sell that idea to channel 10 yeah, because there's a niche in the market there is so yeah that's um dating in your 50s i'll keep mave informed and um, i'm sure mave will uh, have me back on maybe in a year's time yeah when she's got a boyfriend or something. A boyfie. A boyfie. So the question I ask all the guests thus far. Oh, yes. The three guests I've had. Um, <laughs> You're very prolific. What does that mean? You do a lot. I do a lot. You, if you're a oh prolific my... artist, that means you make a lot of art. 
Do I make a lot of podcasts? Well, I think doing one every week is a... Well, I mean, I'm just, I just get excited. I record them and I'm like, I really want to like put this on, yeah, on the line. <laughs> on the line. Get her up. Anyways, so question is, are you where your 16 year old self thought you would be at this age or even when you were in your 20s? Because I know even two years ago, you wouldn't imagine yourself being here. But when you were 16, are you, mm. did you have the career slash life slash family life you anticipated, I guess? I think the only thing I knew about looking forward and what I would like to achieve when I was 16, and let's face it, no one really knows what they're doing when they're 16. Yeah. But you you kind of have a feel about your surroundings. And I, the feeling I had about living in Ireland as a teenager was not good. I wanted to get away. I wanted to escape, as you say, the patriarchy, the, the suffocating catholic upbringing the the male gaze the constantly feeling shameful for just being a girl yeah and you know having to cover up my body and Mm. not go to certain places and not do certain things and not wear certain things all of the rules i just thought like who are you to tell me what i can do so i always knew that i wouldn't live there forever and that i needed to branch out and um i was always very excited about america and the United States, as Australians call it, um, because it always seemed to be an optimistic place where you could achieve anything. So I thought, oh, that's always there. It has like the American dream. Exactly. And like, you know, being into Bruce Springsteen as a 16 year old and actually seeing him play live at at a castle in Ireland when I was 15, I thought, oh, wow, like he just, you know, like it's pretty pathetic and daggy always to be a Bruce Springsteen fan but he always (laughs) well you've put that on to me I'm now a Bruce I've got two shirts to prove I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan because he talks about people in his songs who come from nothing and you know have the opportunity to work really hard and change things and I did I did want to work really hard and kind of live somewhere that was more optimistic and more supportive Mm -hmm. so yeah I especially because you did arts as well I think if you were to say to a lot of people in Ireland in the 80s or even 70s I'm going away to study art they would have been like oh that's not a job or that's not they would say what job would you get out of that now I mean people still say that now about the arts they're definitely more progressive about it but like Mm. yeah that would have been tricky yeah and like my parents didn't know what a graphic designer was I kept explaining it to them and they would just get that blank look (laughs) but it's a colour again (laughs) yeah basically it's (laughs) I don't understand in the best way so yeah, like going to art college, they thought, oh my God, we've really got a black sheep in the family here. You know, mm. we've got an engineer, we've got a someone in the army, we've got, you know, yeah, someone Yeah, I guess it's a less traditional job. And now we've got the black sheep. Oh, she's one of those creative types. But yeah, as a 16 year old, I really had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't even know that I was arty back then. So yeah, I just knew that I wanted to kind of I'm quite conscientious, I suppose. Someone said to me once that I was very ambitious, and I thought, oh, really? I think you're very ambitious. I think you set not high standards for yourself, but I think you like to achieve things. I do. That's true. But, like, I feel odd if I'm not working. Mm. Um, Well, you love your job as well, which helps. Yeah, I do like my job, so... You know, do something you love and then it'll never be a job. That reminds me of Owen. I remember Owen saying that when he was like, my goal is to, you know, be in a job where it just doesn't feel like work. Because you can't do that. You can. You just have to know what you like doing. And not everyone does. So <laughs> AKA me. Yeah, or people don't even figure that out until they're fifty maybe, you know? Yeah. Um so I yeah, mean I've been lucky. When you were sixteen, did you always like want to be a mother? Did you know that that was in your future or did kids not interest you at that age or um 
Because, like, right now, kids really interest me, yeah. but, like, that could change in five I, years. I liked kids. I mean, I had a lot of ne- nephews and nieces, but... Oh, that's true, yeah. I also knew that they were a lot of work. Mm. So I knew that I wanted to do some travelling, and I knew that I was to do that when I was young and free and... Have kids in your 30s. Yeah, I didn't want to be a young mum. I thought that's really going to get in the way. Interesting. Yeah. That's funny, isn't it? I was very clear about that in my head. I didn't talk to anyone about it. But that's just but, um, something you wanted to do. There were people at school, later. you know. There's always one or two that got pregnant and then you see Oh, them. I know people I've been to school with mm. that are now pregnant. And, like, it's fine if they're happy. But, like, I immediately just thought, that's not, going not to... Not for you. That's going to reduce my chances and my opportunities. And yeah. I, I didn't want that to be the case. So I was very keen to travel. I was very keen to live in different places. And, you know... Um, I've always had very good friends as well in the background. Thank you, good friends. My God, I don't know where I would have been without my friends over the last couple of years. So if I would give any advice and to all of you um, young females, particularly listening today, <laughs> please always look after your friends before any boy or man. Bros or before house. Or no matter how much you're dragged into the bubble of falling in love, always look after your friends because when... The shit goes down, you will really need to call on them. Friends are very important at this age. Yeah. I feel like the last couple of years I've definitely noticed that. And I hope that I've ingrained that in, in, in all of my kids. Um, I think you have. It's very important. Like, men come and go, boys come and go, flings come and go. But, like, your friends are always there to pick you up off the ground when you when you need it. And, yeah. And you're, you know, you're there for them, so... Yeah. And sometimes you'll listen to your friends more than your parents because you kind of respect, have a different kind of respect with your friends because they've been, they know you well and they're your, your age. So I feel like if they say something to you, it's like, oh, okay, like they're being honest. And if you fancy a boy, but he's got no <laughs> friends, that's a red flag. <laughs> a big one with a big pole as tall as the hey, city I don't have many friends. You do. Okay. I have a couple. You do. I have enough friends. to have a little bit of a social life. You do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's not fair friends enough. are quality over quantity, though, at this age. Definitely. Well, not even at this age. Always. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Keep your friends close. And your enemies closer. Boys will come and go. This has been awesome, Maeve. Yeah, and thanks for having me, Mum. Can I just say? Thanks for having so... Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> I did have you. <laughs> oh, God. Guess you did. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yes. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, well done on this. I'm so proud of you doing this because you've been talking about it. And I need hobbies. You know that I need hobbies, Mum. Yes. (laughs) She needs hobbies, folks. Uh, What are we doing today, Mum? She hasn't changed much from when she was seven. No. Asking me every day during the holidays, what are we going to do today? Yeah, literally. So this is good that you're now able to amuse yourself. Thank you, (laughs) Mum. Anyways, guys, I'll see you in next week, week after, whenever I decide to upload another podcast. But um, thank you for listening, and um, see you later. Thanks for having me, Maeve. You're so welcome. Much love. Much love. Love you, Mum. Love you too.